You're listening to Force Friends Rewatch, a Star Wars TV show podcast. From Rebels to Resistance and The Mandalorian to Ewoks, we've got you covered. Here's your warning, there will be spoilers. And there will be swearing, because our host just gets so gonk darn excited to talk about these good, good shows. Welcome to Force Friends Rewatch. I'm your host, Andy. And I'm Ryan. Force Friends Rewatch, we rewatch Star Wars TV shows, and then we talk about them here. We are currently starting our Mando Rewatch. It's probably going to be like three or four months as oh, yeah. we trace through the story of the Mandalorians from... Clone Wars through Rebels up to the TV show The Mandalorian. Uh, this week we are discussing three episodes, and I've already forgotten their titles: uh, Voyage <laughs> of Temptation, The Mandalore Plot, and Duchess of Mandalore. And Duchess of Mandalore. Bam! I don't even think that was in order. But, it was a little out of order, but it's all good. It's Star Wars. It has to be out of order. Before we get into those three episodes, Ryan. Yes. My friend, my co-host. Yes. My lover, platonically. Always, always. Ryan, what's the bit? The bit is that everybody knows. Just kidding. Very few people know, probably more than the average among our listeners, that Jodo Cast impersonated the uh, Mandalorian asterisk Boba Fett. Uh, this was not a great career move for him in the end, but it was great while it lasted. Uh, what what Mandalorian would you put your life on the line to impersonate, and why? Oh, okay. First of all, I just want to say that I find Jodo Cast in Legends to be a more interesting character than Boba Fett in Legends. Oh, yes. That's, I, a, that's, that's an unpopular opinion outside of our bubble, but a universal opinion inside of our bubble. I just think someone who is like the fourth best stealing the identity of the first best person and then desperately yes. hoping that no one realizes and just through like sheer chutzpah, like getting <laughs> by with that move, like catch me if you can Star Wars, like fuck yeah, that's that's rad. Yeah, he's um, he's one of the bravest characters we've ever seen. What Mandalorian would I want to impersonate? That's a big question. Um I'm going to say Satine. I had a feeling you would. She's got great earring game. She's got a real strong aesthetic. She fucked Obi-Wan. That's like, yeah, it doesn't end super great, but like (laughs) she's got, yeah, she's got strong, like fucking look. She knows what she's about. I'd love to be Satine. I respect that. I, 
I was gonna say Satine because I was hungry when I was watching that second episode earlier and most of the food that wasn't that most of the food that I would assume would be vegan looked pretty good. And that's what I've got on my mind right now. But I think in actuality I would wanna be is the captain of Satine's cruiser in that second episode technically a Mandalorian? Because that hat was wicked. Love oh him. my god. That facial hair too. Yeah. He was a sea captain. He all the way. I think I would be him. That's like when I'm saying like Satine's got like a strong aesthetic, even her ship has like a yeah. real strong aesthetic. Like so nautical, so fun. I'm I love a fan. It. I, I actually I was like messing around on YouTube watching old StarWars.com videos on these episodes. And Dave Filoni said that the whole design philosophy of that ship is Titanic above decks, alien below decks. And it comes through. Yeah, it's rad. I love it. Love it. The Coronet? Or what is it? I think it's the Coronet. It doesn't matter. It's awesome. Let's let's dive into into these three episodes. Let's do it. We watched uh, the Mandalore plot, Voyage of Th- Voyage of Temptation, and Duchess of Mandalore. So the Mandalore plot is season two, episode twelve. Yeah, and in it, Obi Wan continues his proud tradition of getting the shit kicked out of him by Mandalorians. <laughs> uh, he is asked by the Jedi Council to investigate some, like, shenanigans happening on the planet of Mandalore. It turns out that the Duchess of Mandalore, Satine, is leading a faction of neutral systems who don't want to get involved in the war. And uh, there have been some rumors surfacing that Mandalorians have been doing uh, some like assassinations and some terrorism and stuff. And the Jedi want Obi-Wan to figure out like if the government is involved or if a shadow faction in the government is involved and get to the bottom of it. So he goes to investigate. It is pretty clear right off the bat that him and Satine have some tension. <laughs> they think they hide um, it well, which is the best part. And, uh, Boy, howdy, is there, like, a really violent terrorist attack uh, that happens pretty much right away? I always think of the first two seasons of Clone Wars as being a little bit more childish than the rest of it. But, like, this, this, this dude, the suspect, after he does the bombing... Uh, gets chased by Obi-Wan for a minute and then, like, pretty graphically commits suicide uh, by jumping off the the building and, uh, like, they show his body on the ground and stuff. Like, it's it's rough. It's intense. Um, yeah, this is, this is kind of an escalation for the whole series. Because I, I think, uh, like, the, the Twilight killing herself on Zygeria is sort of the point of no return, but this was where Clone Wars kind of dipped its toe into the pool of like, can we get away with this on Cartoon Network at 9 o'clock on a Friday? I think we can. So, Obi-Wan and Satine go to the moon of Concordia to further investigate this bomber, and uh, they flirt a bunch. 
And then Obi-Wan asks Satine to distract the the governor, Previsla, at dinner while he goes to investigate. Um, he gets captured and put in like a very James Bond death trap and Satine rescues him. Turns out, surprise, surprise, Previsla is the head of Death Watch, which is a much more militant and organized group than they had expected. Obi-Wan and Satine barely escape. They meet up with Anakin, who is like, hey, I'm going to escort you guys to Coruscant. I brought a bunch of clones. Next episode is Voyage of Temptation, where uh, things are going well. Uh, There are some other diplomats from the neutral party. And um, these weird spider droids have gotten on and are, like, trying to assassinate people. And they kill some clones. And, like, Anakin is kind of stuck in the plot of a horror movie while Obi-Wan is stuck in the plot of, like, a (laughs) rom-com. That's an excellent way of putting it. And uh, I think they're both miserable about it. (laughs) A lot of shenanigans ensue, a lot of scary stuff. Like, this episode's kind of a horror episode. Anakin ends up killing uh, the dude who brought the spider droids on, who was, like, Satine's henchman. Because uh, he was going to blow up the ship, and there's a very great line of, what? He was going to blow up the <laughs> ship. That is classic Anakin. And just dark enough. Yeah, it's 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 him kind of dipping his toe in. Yeah. I mean, if I was playing Edge of the Empire, I would have done the exact same thing. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, he was going to blow up the ship. Uh, they get to Coruscant, Satine gets framed for some crimes, and has to investigate them. Uh, I really love this no-name Mandalorian assassin who's, like, just doing his damnedest to kill her. Yeah. Just trying so hard. Uh, Satine uh, gets some help from Padme and from Obi-Wan, and uh, it is, like, very clear... Oh, I guess they he did say in the last episode that he would have left the Jedi Order for her. So I guess yeah. it's already been very clear that they they be smooching. But uh the the romantic tension is is very high. Um and yeah, that's these three episodes. It really reintroduces Mandalorians to the new canon. Like we obviously the movies are still canon. We had seen them in the original trilogy and in Attack of the Clones, but this is the first time we see Mandalorians as a people and it's very interesting it's three very exciting episodes Ryan what do you think of this arc I always loved it I mean at first I was a little I wasn't against the pacifist Mandalorians but like we said in our last episode it goes so hard against everything that fans have sort of seen Mandalorians as that I wasn't sure what to think going in but they made me a fan, you know, and revisiting them every time, I always find something new to love. Like what you said about just that one Mandalorian assassin, like I never noticed just how persistent he is, you know? He's, I mean, he's, he's a blink and you'll miss him kind of guy. Like he, yeah. he doesn't have a name. He doesn't talk a whole lot. No. But like the dude is clearly like talented. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, he murders a bunch of people. Like, he, yeah. he blows up Satine's ship and then, like, essentially convinces the police to run her down. Like, if it had not been for Obi-Wan, 
he would have gotten her. And then he even goes toe to toe with Obi-Wan. Like, great, great little side character. Real cool. Yeah. He's he's left alive, right? He doesn't die. Yeah, he escapes. Yeah, you know what my headcanon is? What's your headcanon? He's Pez Vizsla. He's John Favreau's Vizsla character from The Mandalorian, and that's why Pre Vizsla trusted him with this mission because it's his brother. I uh, I want I want this no name Mandalorian assassin for Legion uh, Fantasy Flight. I know you're listening, mate. <laughs> um. I, if I had to pick a winner out of these three episodes, like if I had to pick one to rewatch, I think it would be Voyage of Temptation. Like, yes. All of the aesthetics of Mandalore are great. Like inside the city is great. You go outside the bubble and it's this barren wasteland and that's just like visually really interesting. But then the ship is very nautical. It's very beautiful. Yeah. And the, the contrast of kind of like political machinations with horror movie Real good. Yeah, it was. And I'm surprised they didn't reuse that setting for something because it was so gorgeous. The assassin droids, these these kind of spoodery droids are real unsettling. Like there's the whole yeah. like you don't see it and it, 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 it murders two clones. And then it's like puppeteering the one body so it can get close to Anakin. It's. It's brutal. It's it's it real very nasty. Unsettling. And then it like births these little spider droids and they get under the one clone's armor and like kill him from the inside. Oh, it's it's very yeah, good. Is... Yeah, they I'm not usually like afraid of spiders and I wasn't I'm not going to lose sleep over this episode. But it was like especially what you said puppeteering when Anakin's like red eye. Oh. That was, there was something well, viscerally unsettling about that. Well, that's the thing. I always think of Clone Wars as, like, getting adult by season four. Like, season three, in my mind, is always like, oh, they start getting there. But season four with the, like, Citadel arc, like, the clone gets cut in half by the door. Like, yeah. Grievous breaks some people's necks with his, like, feet like, that's in my mind where it's like, oh, yeah, like, Clone Wars gets brutal later. But, like, no, Clone Wars is, like, we're in season two. It's it's already yeah. real nasty. I mean, even in the Clone Wars movie, there's that one shot on Christophsis where the clone loses his blaster and he punches the droid and gets shot at point-blank range. Like, this has always been pretty intense. Oh, I mean, Ventress in the movie too is oh, like, yeah. is like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sleep with you, clone trooper, and she's like yeah. tracing his face with her finger as she's like gutting him with a lightsaber. It's like, Jesus, oh, Ventress, oh. go take a cold they, shower, like calm down. You know, you know the shot in uh, in the Camino arc where she force pulls the clone trooper to her and kisses him after she kills him. Yeah. Cartoon Network refused to air that. We only know that from Disney Plus and the Blu-rays. That was that was where they drew the line with Ventress. <laughs> for for a lesbian, she's always kissing these clones <laughs> and murdering them. Um, <laughs> John Favreau, obviously, like Free Vizsla, got to talk about it. Phenomenal casting. Um, Yo, this, I learned something about John Favreau on my YouTube Odyssey in relation to these episodes. It seems like he didn't know what a Mandalorian was before he did this. 
I mean, I believe it. Like that's a yeah, deep no, I do cut. too. It's never said in the movies. True, I don't think. totally. But he, I mean, he's a diehard. You know, he's got like e-webs and stuff that he's into. But it's just interesting that these episodes in his casting probably led directly to the Mandalorian even existing. Because there's a clip where he's doing his lines and he's talking to Filoni and he sees this character for the first time. And he says something like, oh, wow, that helmet, that's very Boba Fett. And it was it's just interesting to hear Jon Favreau not knowing what a Mandalorian is, knowing where his career's headed. Like, that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to view these episodes in this order. One, you see the seeds being planted in Favreau, like... Yeah. This is the first appearance of the Darksaber. This is the first appearance of Mandalorians in in the new canon. And it's this roadmap of Favreau's friendship with Filoni. It's kind of a roadmap for Ahsoka, like where she's going to end up. It's a roadmap for Maul, where Maul is going to end up. Like all of these stories are headed to the Siege of Mandalore and the Mandalorian. Yeah, they're already talking about a Republic invasion. You know, it's all there. You're right. It's interesting to me to see how these two failed apprentices are going to wind up in this battle for, like, the soul of Mandalore. Yeah. It's good shit. These episodes are great. They are. They are. I'm not really talking about them, but they're real good. Did Did you catch... Have you ever seen the deleted... Anakin scenes from uh, Duchess of Mandalore. No. There was a whole subplot where he is... It's been like a week since I watched these, but he was going to lead the Republic invasion of Mandalore. And it's him prepping for it, and just the tension that this causes with Padme especially, because of her not wanting this rollout. And he's like ready to go until it's called off at the 11th hour when the truth is exposed. Wow. Yeah, they're super powerful. They're not finished. It's like watching the Bad Batch episodes as they were originally put up. But check those out. Search like Duchess of Mandalore deleted scenes or something. That's dope. Yeah. I was a little bummed that that didn't make the cut. But then the episode's like eight minutes over time. Yeah. I mean, that was thank goodness that like Star Wars animation is on Disney Plus now. And if it wants to run long, it can. Yes. Um, you were talking to me earlier today about your theory about Din Djarin and these episodes. Yeah, yeah. So they start off on the moon. Well, they meet Vizsla on the moon of Concordia, and first of all, that the first thing they establish is that it's a mining colony. Uh, and then we can tell at the end of these episodes that there's going to be some kind of conflict between the Death Watch and the Separatists. If you look when Vizsla is getting ready for the the conflict, there are already Trade Federation tanks in the Death Watch base that weren't there before. So I think that flashback at the throughout, you really see it throughout uh, the first season of The Mandalorian with uh, Death Watch fighting the Separatists and rescuing young Din Djarin. I think that's on Concordia. And I think what we're seeing is something between this arc and A Friend in Need if I had to guess, it would be the conflict between Death Watch and the Separatists that gave Vizsla his scar. I yeah, think, I, think, I think Concordia is it. I think a lot of fans had theorized that 
Death Watch rescuing Din happened during Maul's reign because yeah. they're pretending to be heroes. But I think this makes more sense for the super battle droids being there. Yeah, because the Separatists never actually make it to to Maul's Mandalore during either of his tenures. I think you're right. I mean, I think you're right. You're the one who said it, not me. I guess. <laughs> Fair. But yeah, no, I think I think this arc is important on a lot of levels. And to think didn't didn't Favreau only end up there because he was they were mixing Iron Man at Skywalker Sound? Yeah, just like him and Filoni just hit it off. Yeah. Like they just kind of like became friends and Filoni was like, oh, hey, like I got a character you should voice him. It's wild. And Favreau just fell in love <laughs> with Previsla and Mandalorians in general. Yeah. I really dig the weird guards that are throughout this episode. There's like the very medieval kind of renaissance guards that Satine has where they have these like double bladed double sided electrostaffs that can also yes. deflect blaster fire, which is nuts. I love that the death watch has yellow blaster bolts, which we've never seen before. Yeah, lo- that is super cool. I love pre guards who look like a knight crossed with riot SWAT troopers, like, I I just love how distinct everything looks. The, the Death Watch camp looks really unique. Everything in this episode feels like Star Wars, but it's Star Wars we've never seen before. Well, because it's, we were talking earlier today about how a lot of it is recycled concepts, like uh, the Satine guards with the staffs you're talking about were a rejected Sith Lord concept. And uh, Satine herself is a rejected Padme concept. So it's always in the DNA. I'm obsessed with Star Wars recycling its concept art. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, Vizsla's guards we see a lot of. They're like the general Mandalorian police force. Yeah, they're going to come back and we're going to see more of them. Um, I like those. I love that minimalist. I like their helmets. I think their helmets feel very medieval to me. They like, they have those kind of like chin guards that come down like, um, sideburns, but yeah, absolutely. They're real neat. And they've kind of got the hint of the T visor and the hint of the armor design, but not, not like one to one, but yeah, it is. It's super medieval. Something that I think too really stands out is Obi-Wan's relationship with Satine. He says, like, if you had asked, I would have left the Jedi Order. Now, is he trying to distract this assassin? Maybe. It feels very real to me. Yeah. And it's very clear that Anakin knows stuff went down. And he kind of, like, teases Obi-Wan, like, later. He, He refers to Satine as his girlfriend and stuff. But, like, if Obi-Wan had had a vulnerable conversation about maybe mistakes he had made, maybe regrets he had, if he had opened up to his brother here, how would that have changed down the road? Oh, man. It really reminds me of in the Siege of Mandalore when Obi-Wan confronts Rex and Anakin about Padme's relationship. Oh, yeah. Or no, was that... That was with the Bad Batch, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Bad Batch. Whoops. But yeah, it 
Well, I think, I think at this point, I don't think Obi-Wan knows quite yet because the bad season seven, remember was out of order. The bad batch is, uh, after the Ahsoka arc, even that's pretty late in the war. Oh, oh yeah. I know. I I I know Obi-Wan doesn't know right now, but like if, right. But if if he, he, I think, I think even now though, like I think he's starting to catch on, but I think it's, it's almost too late. If this business with Satine would have gone down before Attack of the Clones and Anakin would have met Padme again with all of this in his mind, it may have gone differently. But I think I think at this point, like the fear of loss, I don't know, like everything with his mother and stuff. It's just it's just interesting to think about. Yeah. I mean, I think I think there was a way for Anakin to stay with Padme and not fall to the dark side. Oh, I think so too. And I think, hey, I think you're right. Actually, I I take back what I rambled. I think, I think about Anakin a lot, as you know. Uh, I I think this would have been it. I think if Obi Wan and Anakin would have had that conversation, Obi Wan would have changed. Yeah, that's true too. Overly sarcastic productions on YouTube. Uh which, like, I, I stay away from Star Wars YouTube, except for Star Wars Explained, like, and Battlefront yeah. Updates, but, like, Star Wars YouTube is a mess. But um, this is a, a channel that really looks at, like, tropes and archetypes in media and, like, breaks it down, and they, they look at mythology and stuff. Really interesting channel. But uh, they talk about how in Clone Wars... Obi-Wan and Anakin go back and forth as to who is the protagonist and who is the Lancer. It's very interesting that when one of them is the starring role, the other one immediately becomes like sassy, sarcastic, Han Solo archetype. Yeah. And then it just swip, uh, like swaps back and forth. And um, you really see it in these, in these episodes where like normally... Anakin in Clone Wars is the main character and Obi-Wan is the Lancer who's kind of, you know, sarcastic and, uh, you know, playing second fiddle and there to assist yeah. him. But in these episodes, Obi-Wan is the main character and Anakin is in that supporting, like, kind of comedic put-upon role. It, it It's fun. It's fun to... It is. It's fun for that I think it's the sibling split. dynamic. Yeah, it's definitely it's... a sibling dynamic. I love that. I, I never really thought of it that way, but now that you say it, like, it just all, it works. Anything we'd change? Anything that doesn't quite work? I think that that Satine's pilot could have had a bigger hat. Satine's pilot could have had a bigger hat, and he could have had a bigger mustache. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I keep forgetting about the mustache, and I don't know how. I think because the human brain is not, genetically, we're not wired to process facial hair that's that dapper and striking. They could have So had, I think that's why I keep forgetting. They could have had like a spaceship in a bottle. Yeah. Oh my you gosh. Know? Lean into the nautical theme. Yeah, just even more. Or hit a Carbonberg and then it's women and children to the lifeboats and Obi-Wan has to be a chivalrous knight or something. I don't know. Lean into that Titanic. No, don't. <laughs> Futurama did space Titanic. They did it best. No one else can ever do it. I I genuinely can't think of anything I would change. Like I really enjoy 
these three episodes. I love Pre Vizsla. Yeah. He's a great villain. He is. No Bo-Katan yet. I think she's coming soon, though. She's season four. Yeah, but we we get some real great adventure stuff here. We learn a ton about Obi-Wan. Um, oh, yeah. I would really love to have um, James Arnold Taylor and, God, I'm blanking on her name, Anna? Is it Anna Graves? Anna Graves. I would love to have the two of them do one of those audio dramas about Obi-Wan and Satine. That would be the dream. Right? Like, what a great format to explore that relationship, too. Like, the Afro audio drama that just dropped is fantastic. I am only about three minutes into that, but I love it. I need to make time tonight and listen to more. I gotta I gotta shout out my buddy real quick. Uh, he's a, a Twitch streamer who is currently working his way through Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Um... His, oh, rad. His switch is Ma, Masushi Boomfist, but if he mostly just goes by Boomfist, and I'm sure you can find him if you search that. But he is just so energetic and so joyful and so full of life, and I so often find streamers to be, like, overly negative and kind of a bummer, um, but he's just here to have a fucking great time and just enjoy and love these games that he's playing and he is that's refreshing he is without a doubt the biggest mandalorian fan i've ever met like anytime oh, cool anytime we would play x-wing like cool i'm flying slave one i'm flying boba fett like anytime we're playing anything star wars like oh is there a mando in it uh i'm playing a mando um <laughs> uh he he played a mando at a star wars charity lart we went to um so I, I was like, dude, we're talking about Mandos on my podcast. Uh, like, I gotta, I gotta shout you out. And like, this was at a time when there was no Mando content out there. And like, that's cool. Like, he never lost the torch. He never let it die. And uh, like, I message him all the time. Like, dude, you're in your, you're, you're in your element now. Like, <laughs> there's Mando stuff everywhere now. It is the Mando Renaissance. It it's it's kind of awesome. Like I'm a Jedi fan. I've always been fine, but it's kind of awesome to see like the people that have always loved that specific corner of the universe getting their due. Oh, for sure. And like I'm a pilot fan, and like we got little flashes here and there. Like we got Rogue One, which was like delicious. There was sadly yeah. not a really great space battle in the sequel trilogy, but um, yeah, there really wasn't. Like Squadrons is coming out, and I'm so stoked. So like we we always get trickles, and I think Squadrons is going to be phenomenal. But like I'm hyped for Squadrons. Mando fans were in a desert for so long, um, and like they're getting their due. Yeah. They really are, and not just some mediocre books. No, no, they're getting, like, great content, finally. Um, yeah. But, yeah, these three episodes, I think it, it's the start of revitalizing Mandalorian fandom. It's giving them a kind of controversial, but I think much richer history and backstory and culture. Like, we really yeah. start seeing these houses at play and the politics at play. Um, 
it's kind of House of Cardsy or Game of Thronesy in that way with these these machinations and these noble houses. Oh, very much. I'd like more exploration of the house and clan system. Oh, for sure. Um, we see we see more of that in Rebels too, which is yeah. really interesting. Uh, I believe. What are we covering next week? We're covering. We're covering maybe some not great episodes. Um, <sighs> we're covering some unique episodes. Yeah, we're covering some unique episodes on Mando's friend rewatch. We are covering, <sighs> uh, Clone Wars epi- or Clone Wars season three episodes five and six, corruption and the academy for next week. Uh, yes, we are. It's going to be Ahsoka first dealing with Mandalore, which, again, is kind of sowing the seeds of her destiny, uh, which is interesting. Yeah, this is, this is her first time on Mandalore. Yeah. Um, there's some, like, side kids that I, I feel like Lucas was trying to do, like, a backdoor pilot for. He was always doing that in Clone Wars. Like He was. We'll throw some kids in this episode. It'll be a backdoor pilot. <laughs> okay, George. Yeah. Uh, they don't really ever matter or come back again, but we get some kids. They show up for like a hot minute in uh, The Lawless. Yeah, they, they poke their heads back in. I think one of them rescues his aunt, but... Yes. Did you know one of those ki- one of the voice actors for those kids went on to play the nerdy doctor in Mandalorian? Oh, the, the, yeah. the one with the clone patch? Yes, he played um, not Quirky, but the other the other guy. He uh, he fucks the genie in American Gods. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. He drives the uh, the taxi. Yeah, <laughs> God, that ep- like that episode made me cry. That's so good. <laughs> it's a shame that season two fucking sucked. I haven't seen it. Season one of American Gods is incredible. Season two is. Stinky. That's what I hear. Yeah. Garbage pit. Yeah. Anywho, um, <laughs> yeah. So we got we got some fun episodes for next week. Uh, we're gonna have a ton of guests. Yeah. As we're doing this, um, which I'm super excited about. I don't want to say anyone's names in case people can't make it, but we got some real fun stuff in store for our listeners and for ourselves. Yeah. Because I like a lot of really cool people in the fan community who really love Mandalorians, probably more than we do, bringing a lot to the table. Yeah, like Ryan and I said last episode, uh, I was going to say last week, but these air every other week. Last episode, um, we both like Mandalorians, but we're not the the biggest fans out there. So we want to we want to spotlight some people in the community who are huge fans and can talk about why they love these characters so much. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm super excited that we're going to have a bunch of cool, nerdy, interesting people on. Same here. Any final thoughts, Ryan? Um, you know that, uh, that, like, park where there's the little mountain peak in the middle and then there's those four spires around it with people milling around inside them? Yeah. That is a visual that Ralph McQuarrie has been trying to get into Star Wars forever. And I think this episode aired during his lifetime. So that's super That makes me so happy. Yeah, it was, the idea was always that that rock in the middle was the last natural exposed mountain peak on Coruscant. And he 
was married to that idea. And I, I liked that that finally came to light. I had seen the art and then I recognized in this rewatch and looked it up and sure enough, intentional. Mandalore is so flat too that I feel like his concept for it is yeah. still accurate. It's just on Mandalore now and not Coruscant. Well, it, no, it is on Coruscant. No, not the park, not the park with the oh. terrorists. I mean the park on Coruscant where Satine is like apprehended. No, I, I'm tracking with you now. My bad, my bad, my oh, bad. Oh, no, all good, all good. Yeah, no, I Mandalore was it. all original. Yeah, that was a cool little Ralph shout out. Considering it's that really his so explorations happy. of Boba that give us Mandos. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. This is a good show. Clone Wars this is great. This is our first time talking show. about Clone Wars. <laughs> it is. Yeah, Clone Wars, Clone Wars kept me involved in Star Wars between Revenge of the Sith and uh, The Force Awakens. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. Follow us on so. Twitter at Force Friends Pod. We just lost a follower. I'm devastated. We lost ah. our, our first follower. I got in a Twitter feud with the guy who played Boba Fett in the fucking special edition of A New Hope. Oh my gosh, did you really? It co- yeah, it cost us a follower. I'm sorry, Ryan. That's hysterical. Yeah, he was making fun of Ahmed Best. Who? Wait, Dude's who was it? I don't know his name. He's some no-name extra in A New Hope, and he he thinks he's Boba Fett, and he, sh- he like, tweeted out, like, a picture of Ahmed, like, in costume, but not, like, special effects. Oh. Like, casually standing there, and he's like, so glad I got to play Boba Fett and not this terrible character. And it oh, was like... come on. It was like, dude, who the fuck do you think you are? Like, I'm at best is Star Wars royalty. He birthed CGI. Like, yeah, good job. No one knows who. You, no one knows who you are, buddy. Don't anyway, you dare apologize to me. We lost that. a Twitter follower. That's hysterical. First one, gladly, I'll gladly sacrifice all of our Twitter followers on an altar to Ahmed Best. Heck yeah, stand Ahmed Best all the time. Yeah, uh, don't get in Twitter fights. They're dumb. Um, <laughs> uh, you can give us money at Kofi slash Force Arms Rewatch. Uh, we need it. Please, please. Uh, shoot us an email at forcefriendsrewatch at gmail.com. And we want to give a huge thank you to Bristol Podworks for that intro and for being our producer. They do all of the hard work on this podcast. Ryan and I just talk. Go reach out to them and make your podcast dreams come true yes and how do we end the show ryan well we used to say tell the boy about his parents and i feel like we should still pay lip service to that but we say this is the way damn right it is this is the way this is in fact the way